0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Pop Culture Hill. We are your co-hosts. I'm Siobhan.
1: And I'm Claire. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. If you're listening to this, you probably know us. (laughs) Um, We have been talking about doing this podcast for a very, very long time. So essentially, the gist of the podcast is we want to know what Pop Culture Hill you are going to be willing to die on, because Siobhan and I both have many. Uh, We spend many a party (laughs) shouting at each other. Um, at least we did before I moved across the country. I know. Uh, a lot before of whole Global panorama. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we can just ignore the fact that that exists for forever and talk exclusively about pop culture because, as we both know, pop culture has nothing to do with the modern world. It is not political, it is no. not any of those things. It exists in a vacuum
0: just <laughs> where you can <laughs> enjoy all of it completely disconnected from reality
1: totally I uh, have to speak for myself when I say I love to separate art from artist all the time it's super <laughs> easy to do for me emotionally uh, yeah uh, so yes uh, that essentially is what this podcast is and all of that was uh, sarcastic which I hope was clear but oftentimes with me it's it's not because I tend to sound really earnest about things which <laughs> So I want to be clear, none of that is true, and we should <laughs> probably actually true. talk about what the podcast is. Yeah.
0: yeah, because the podcast is inherently political, and uh, we are going to talk about all of the interconnected, intersectional, juicy goodness that comes from not separating the art from the artist, but actually looking at like why things get made because of who the artist is. Sometimes is going to be, really
1: and that's part of the like hot takes of it all. Like I know it's a very online thing to have like a really. Uh, aggressive take on something. It's very Twitter of us to be like, what's the pithiest poppiest thing I can say to be the smartest person in the room? Um, but that's not really it. The point is is that art is incredibly subjective and it's, like we said, political. It is related to the people who make it. It is all of those things. So when I have opinions about art, and Siobhan, I know this to be true for you as well, they are very very... Uh, passionate strong, I guess <laughs> yeah. passionate is, one is a way better word it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know strong aggressive um, off-putting <laughs> it's or even if they're
0: not even if they don't start that way when I present them publicly I present them that way because oh yes I need people to know that I'm willing to fight about it <laughs>
1: yes and also that you're right though to <laughs> <Yes>. be clear <laughs> yes
0: yes exactly that I am right I like to be right and I like to be right about things or in ways that people didn't know that I was gonna be right about so that's also what's fun about the like pop culture hill or like what unpopular opinion about art this whole setup right is that like you can blow people's minds and and first make them angry with you and then you like <laughs> but think about it I'm right and you know it and let me explain to you why
1: That's the plan, and I want to be clear. Again, Siobhan and I have these conversations not on a microphone. We've been talking about doing this literally since 2019. We've actually recorded episodes. We've done all of this, but life keeps getting in the way. But like I said earlier, I recently moved from Chicago to Salem, Massachusetts, so I am now far away and don't get the opportunity to scream at Siobhan about how wrong she is because, as much as she likes to say she's right, she is also wrong okay, more often than she likes to admit. She is. That mm-hmm. is Ooh. false. It's false. Good start. Good start. Uh, so <laughs> we
0: hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but this is truly one of the most fun ways for us to stay in touch with each other. I think that are like a huge basis of our friendship. I mean, our friend because of how we met, our friendship mm-hmm. has always been built around discussing art and um, often disagreeing. And you were mm-hmm. a person who I love talking about art with and and screaming at, um, and don't mind <laughs> screaming,
1: being, with. Screaming, screaming with, with
0: <laughs> screaming with, screaming um, with. And you're somebody who it doesn't bother me when you tell me that you think I'm wrong because you're allowed to be delusional but also (laughs) because (laughs) you are a person who enjoys the simple pleasure of like debating your opinion so uh it's it's a deeply enjoyable way for us to get to stay in touch with each other
1: we'll take it (laughs) we want to engage you people listening to us all seven of you Um, including my mother and your mother, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, hi mom. To be a part of these conversations with us because I think as much as Shivana and I like to think that we're incredibly right all the time because again, often this is true. um, We are often wrong and I love to be challenged in my opinions and I love to be uh, shown that I'm wrong by someone who means well. Does that make sense? That I want like... (laughs) I want to be in conversation, not discourse. And so part of this podcast of like basically what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about our hot takes, what hills we are willing to die on. I think sometimes often you and I will probably agree, Siobhan. I think sometimes I will be talking about something that you've never, you've never watched or read or done anything with, and vice versa. And then as we have had many a conversation, we will just adamantly disagree with each other. Um, also involved in this is producer Hank. Uh, hi, I Hank. do want to make sure we say hi to Hank, who is uh, my husband and mine and Siobhan's mutual friend, I think is a way to put that.
0: I think it's the only um, way to describe the relationship.
1: Yes, mutual friend. <laughs> <Our>
0: mutual friend, <laughs> Hank.
1: Yes. <laughs> who uh, will be producing the podcast for us. Um, and we both have dogs and we both have husbands who I'm sure will make appearances. And then hopefully someday you, listener, will also somehow make an appearance in the podcast. However that looks, I don't know.
0: We feel your presence with us already. And maybe it's just because it's Halloween when we're recording this, so the veil (laughs) between the spirit world and the mortal world (laughs) is thinner. But I really do feel like our audience is present with us in this moment.
1: (laughs) I think that's just because we both feel We both feel like there's kind of a perpetual audience around us when we're speaking at all times anyway, (laughs) so maybe that's just the way our brains work and isn't the thin veil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's true. It's the thin veil between us and reality. So generally also the way this will go is we will talk a little bit about some current events, some recent happenings, or some future topical. happenings yes yeah, something very topical um and then sometimes we'll be talking about something more like a a more evergreen hill as we call them to each other right like a a take that a pop culture take that transcends time that that <laughs> will always be true and that you'll think about I mean it's just true there are certain elements of pop culture there are certain shows certain movies certain pieces of of art or um, events in our history that stand out and there are ones that and that you like keep returning to and talking about and there are ones that are very important for a moment that are like a little flash in the pan and so we'll be talking about some of all of it so it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a fun time
1: yeah so let's hear your hill of the week Siobhan (laughs)
0: To be quite honest It's not really a hill of the week It's like a hill of the Season Okay Um so I've been watching, I'm a big fan of Real Housewives, um, and my Hill of the Week is about, uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, um, which has been getting a lot of buzz because of a lawsuit involving one of those women, um, but I actually, my Hill of the Week is about a different, different woman on, on that, um, show. My Hill of the Week is that Garcelle Bovis is the queen of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and should be the center diamond from here on out. Like I think she is the single greatest addition to that show and they could honestly recast the whole show and keep just her and swap out everybody else and I would still watch it and it would be amazing. So that's my Hill of the Week.
1: Okay I've heard this about Garcelle. So I am a person who. It, most things in media, I will watch and read and engage, excuse me, in all of whatever. But there's only so many hours in the day. And so Housewives is a thing that I watched in the beginning. I watched like OG, um, OC. I watched OG New Jersey, which I still think cannot be matched. I mean, the, the table flipping is is truly a, a peak of reality TV. Um, it is. But I never did Beverly Hills. I've heard this about Garcelle. But as a person who doesn't consume, I'm seeing someone like Lisa Rinna. And why is Lisa Rinna not... I mean, she's married to Harry Hamlin. She was on Veronica she's Mars. She's Satan in a See, wig, this is what I, don't I need you to explain it to me. That's, like, as a person <laughs> oh who's watching, like, why wouldn't Lisa Rinna, like, queen of daytime TV... So Lisa Renna <laughs>
0: I so Lisa Rena and Garcelle have beef this season, which is part of why I'm having such a strong reaction. Okay,
1: but Garcelle is, and Garcelle was is an, is an actor, yes, or was an actor.
0: She is Anna model and uh, just a, an all around
1: superstar. Um, I mean, she and she, gorgeous, I will. That much I know. Again, I was just consuming uh, discourse and memes about the current Housewives. Uh, Beverly Hills that's all I know
0: the meme that I am searching for that I will send you is it's just the scene in Jurassic Park where the little boy is hiding in the kitchen from the velociraptor (laughs) 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 and the caption is Lisa Renna looking for her best friend Jesus. And it's like that is truly how she treats people. She just like comes for everybody. Like she just turns on people. Weirdly, she's defending Erica Jane uh, or Erica oh. Girardi. It's very strange. I'm like honestly, this is like a a real hot take for our very first episode to come on and in the first episode be like fuck these <laughs> around.
1: I mean, I don't think you're the first person who said the words, fuck Lisa Rinna. I mean, Garcelle has probably said those words herself. I hope she has.
0: (laughs) She deserves to. (laughs) She's put up with so much and she um, really has been, uh, she's been the only black woman on that show for a long time, uh, for every season that she's been on. This is actually the first season that there's another woman of color who's been cast on the show with her. um, And that's been an interesting dynamic. Um, but Garcelle has d- just dealt with so many microaggressions, which is a term that I hate, which is an evergreen hill that I will cover at a different time. Um, why I think microaggressions don't exist. Um, microaggression. There's no such thing as a microaggression because they're all macro. They're only micro to the person who's doing them. To the people experiencing them, there's nothing micro about a microaggression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. So she's just she's dealt with so much and she's done it with such grace and she um is she good is, TV? She's great TV. She said she literally forgot the name of her sister <laughs> on television. It was hilarious for a long time. Like she was counting off her siblings and she was like, "Oh, there's another one, and I can't remember who I'm, who I'm missing." Uh, she's great. She's really funny. She has spot on takes. Um, and one of the things that she's up against this season is that the other women are calling her a bully and keep saying that she's throwing digs at everybody, which is what they all do. She's just funnier and better at it than the rest of them, and so they don't like it coming from her. And so mm. she is getting all the... And I think it's racially based as well. That like.
1: Well, I was going to say, have they used the word aggressive yet? Like.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, there's definitely... <laughs> well, so she's... Interestingly enough, she's been called both... Um, too passive and too aggressive which is an interesting first she wasn't forthcoming enough she was hiding the way she felt she wasn't being direct enough and then she started being direct and they started calling her a
1: bully <laughs> yikes all right well justice for garcelle justice Apparently, for garcelle. Lead diamond i will you know continue to not watch that show yeah but if she becomes lead diamond here's the thing i'll consider it
0: my little center diamond garcelle it's all she deserves
1: Sweet she's got
0: two cool kids also i have to say that she has three cool kids but two of them i i know more about because they're on the show more <laughs>
1: so one uncool two cool kids one freak no
0: it is it has been really touching it's been really touching to see her family on the show it's been cool
1: so there you go
0: i'm gonna All find right. this meme about lisa renna as a velociraptor also because it is gonna make you chuckle when you see it
1: i listen i'm happy i love a meme but claire
0: in the meantime what is your hill of the week
1: my Hill of the Week is a similar kind of hill of a season. Um, I am interested in what you are going to think about this. Uh, so the reason I'm interested in this is because this is about a show we both love, Ted Lasso. Uh, okay. you, I did see Dressed I'm Up sweating. as Keely <laughs> last night for Halloween, and your husband, Kroy, was uh, Roy Kent, and I loved it. Uh, So my hill is that season two was nearly ruined by Sam and Rebecca's relationship.
0: I actually don't disagree with you at all.
1: Good. Okay. so literally watching the show, um, anybody who doesn't watch Ted Lasso, I think I just also want to say you're just going to hear spoilers on this show and I'm not going to feel bad about it. It's been weeks since the season ended. I mean, the best spoiler alert I'll do is I'll say this is Ted Lasso. And if you're scared, go run and hide. Just let it mute and play in the background. I don't care. That is fine. So anyways, I think it almost ruined the season. It's an incredible romantic subplot. I love her getting like someone who gets her and loves her. I am all in on that. I think that him being 21 years old and being an employee of hers... Ruins it completely. Took me completely out of it the entire season. Um, It really... And I have made this argument to Hank, again, off the pod. Where I was just mad every time I watched the show. To the point where they literally had to clarify how old he was. And the age they chose was 21. Was
0: 21, I know. They
1: chose it! They chose 21 years old. And it makes me so angry because, again... Already, this is a tough enough um, plot line, right? Yeah. I think it is complicated enough, and I'm not against complication and nuance in romantic subplots on television. I think that show does nuance beautifully in most of their kind of like through lines and plots in the show. I think the nuance we see with Keely and Roy was really interesting this past season. I think that it is hard enough. And it is already complicated enough that she is the owner of the organization and he is a player. I think that's enough. That if he was a coach, if it were Nate, if it were anybody, it would be complicated enough because she signs the paychecks at the end of the day. And she is responsible for his employment, which is shown in an episode of that season in which he's being courted by a different football club.
0: I know. And I also think it they really stepped in it because they revealed that that she knew you know what i mean and yes. that and she has that moment where she's like this is inappropriate and i can't and so like this can this can only be the this can be the only moment that we have um, yes
1: i think it just is like i think there's a lot of things when it comes to gender when it comes to race when it comes to power dynamics all of that stuff that they completely ignore in the show and make it such a like ooh like she's older, he's younger, 21, his brain isn't done developing. Like, this I'm is honestly. L- I'm honestly
0: less bothered by the age than I am by the workplace power dynamics. Like, that part, that really is a, is problematic to me. But like. Uh,
1: maybe it's just my own trauma that I'm more stuck on the age thing. But I, think, I think that there are many
0: 21-year-olds who you are, are right about, but I think that they did a good job of explaining – that, that like the way they write that character he is so mature that he is a 21 year old that I would be like it makes sense that you're dating a slightly older woman. But why or is Or a, ba- a much older woman. Uh, because I, it, it's that's what the thing makes... he could
1: be 24 But he could what be ma- 25. I mean it makes
0: sense for him in terms of where they've placed him in his career that he's on the younger end. Like they've set him up and they set him up so much in the first season as this like very green new player. Then don't
1: make him the love interest. Like I mean I'm not, the I'm not
0: disagreeing with you about the love interest I'm just explaining why like why I I think in this case it's the power dynamics of her of her being his employer that bother me much more than his age like he is me, such a mature kid yeah
1: that yeah. it's that it's the layers of those things that if if it were just but the also age it's thing, the UK yes, it, so nice.
0: so it's the UK so he's 21 so he's been considered an adult for so long though at this point that I think that also so
1: long Siobhan so long yeah. not so long Okay. She's been adult longer. I'm not
0: arguing that. I'm arguing that like 21 is not, I don't know. All right, sure. Fine. Let's move on. No, I'm interested in <laughs> no, you. No, it's okay. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> no fight for the 21
1: you No, I'm because I'm not, not
0: because that's not that's what I'm anno- now I'm a little annoyed because that's not <laughs> what I'm fighting about. So, I would like to move on because that's not the point I'm trying to make.
1: Yeah. So, th- I think it basically ruined a lot of, I mean, it almost ruined the season for me. I was so taken out by it because you're right. The power dynamic of the uh, employment thing is, again, I think in a vacuum, him being 21 in the UK and the age thing, you're right, is less of a big deal, um, quote unquote, or whatever you want to say. It's just like, it's that. It's the power thing. It's all of it, and them not addressing any of it. And being like, mm, guess he's just a baby. Guess he's just 21. He's still cute and like wants to fuck her. I'm like, yeah, she's incredibly fuckable. Like, why does why is this the problem? So that really made me mad um, because I think it was just too many things, and they refused to address it. And I think I give I love Ted Lasso. I think they give a lot of space to their characters. I think they give a lot of grace to their characters in a really beautiful way. I think this was bad, and I yeah. I am it made me really bad. Yeah. So that's my topical hill. I like, get fuck that.
0: Okay, so here's what I'm trying to say about the like age and like being considered <laughs> an adult for longer in the UK is that because of when you finish school in the UK, you like start your life as an adult in society, living independently, earlier than you would in America. So being 21 in America is like you've just finished school, like you're a kid, like you are a kid, but like in theory. The idea that you're 21 in the UK you've been living independently for quite a long time at that point even if you're not a soccer player right or a football player Mm -hmm. um like sets up and in addition to that the way they've written his character to be so mature and to have such a like adult perspective I don't think that makes it okay for her to be so much older than him and for that to feel Mm -hmm. but I that is why um like I in that case I would be like I would not be dating somebody that much older than me as a 21 year old and I would be like worried about just that written down on paper but the dynamics of of him He's so sure of himself in in such an adult way um, that he feels less like a child. Um, but that will never excuse the power dynamic at play because she is still his employer. So even if they were going to justify the age gap by saying yes. he is not a child, which like they he, do, that's the yes, point, yes they've right? done like, a really good job of that. Him. Yes, but they can't. It doesn't. It doesn't excuse. There's no excuse for the power dynamic um, because she's his employer. So it's never going to yes. be okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're you're because, totally right. It's because just those it's, things
0: of, like... Because it feels different to me than, like, Rupert, because they said it, it's such a clear foil for Rupert to me that, like, yes, it's it doesn't feel the same as the way Rupert deliberately chooses these naive young women to, like, prey upon and control. Like, it feels mm-hmm. that that feels different um, mm-hmm. because of how they write that character.
1: Mm-hmm. I also, I mean, this is, again, getting deeper into, (laughs) they did not ask for us to go this deep, but unfortunately, this is what they've given us. us. First of all, we don't know how long Sam has been in the UK, Mm -hmm. in general. That's not been communicated. So that idea of, like, the age thing in the UK is interesting to think about with him not necessarily growing up in the UK. We just don't know. Right. um, His timeline of being there. And then also... It seems like he's somebody who's always connected to his family. He's probably providing for his family. There's a lot, like when you are the person who's responsible for your family's like well-being, of course he seems older. Of course he seems more mature. He's been carrying a lot. So all of this is interesting to me and, again, is not the, the problem, Of, like, this, there's, they wrote that character really beautifully. That is not the issue. The issue for me is the sandwiching and the, like you said, of all of these things in one. Of, like, it just fucked the season for me. Um, It just made me really, it really annoyed me. So, as somebody who loves Ted Lasso.
0: So, this is, you brought up something interesting that I... And then I know that we're not supposed to be spending that much time on our topical hills of the week, but (laughs) I think this is so interesting. So I don't think he's providing for his family because his dad has that line about having invested in Bitcoin in 2009. Like, they lay all these little nuggets to suggest that Sam's family um, is, like, better off than, uh, what's his name, Akufo? Is that the character's name? Who... Um, I don't remember whatever the millionaire who wants to, book mm-hmm. to yes, yes.
1: Um, no but, you're totally right and I, I so should I say that like I I don't necessarily think it's like a financial thing it's just he's so connected and so like mature with his parents and so like oh, sure. with them you're totally right it's just I don't know doesn't none of it matters because she signs his paycheck at the end of the day and I just she knows better he knows better they just there's a way to make this subplot work and it wasn't this way and
0: it is worth noting that even if i feel okay because of the way they've written about the age gap because of the way they've written the character like that is enough to question why they wrote it that way in the first place like if you have to justify to this extent this age gap like that is strange um
1: yes yes but
0: I, yes. Better luck Anyways. next
1: season, Ted Lasso.
0: I mean, there are so many great parts of the season, and there are so many <laughs> yes, tricky moments. Yeah, tricky
1: moments. We love a good swing and a miss. So <laughs> hey, I'd much rather them try. Me Except too. maybe not this time. They maybe could have not tried with the this H-cam. time. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and the power dynamics. Yes. Anyways,
1: kill <laughs> of the at, week, baby. Topical. Looking,
0: I'm looking at my list of. Um, evergreen hills my brainstorming document mm-hmm. <laughs> Whew, there are some takes in here
1: Claire. <laughs> why am i not surprised oh uh, gosh well let's do it welcome that evergreen hill situation thing that we are gonna do so yeah. yeah like siobhan said this is the evergreen hill this is when we talk about uh takes that are seminal takes yeah. and often about larger Things in pop culture or moments in pop culture that are going to last beyond one moment or one season or something like that. So I'll go first with mine. I love you it. you went first with your topical hill. Topical um, hill. All right. Well, welcome to first episode. I am interested in how you are going to respond to this one because I do feel like you and I tend to be on opposite sides of our argue- let me just do this. Yeah, let's do it. So <laughs> my evergreen hill um, is that when Harry met Sally's central thesis is not the question, can men and women be friends? It's that they should be in order to have a successful relationship. And that if you are misreading the film to say this is all about can men and women be friends and it shows how the, the-, the question fails, you're a misogynist. <laughs>
0: interesting but that's how the film sets up what the film is about so is the film misogynistic when's the last time
1: when's the last time you watched that movie it doesn't matter it's completely irrelevant
0: the point of this part is that they're evergreen takes so i shouldn't have had to have watched it in the last well if your question
1: is about what the film posits he literally
0: says men and women cannot be friends
1: that doesn't mean it's the central thesis of the movie. So his question, you're right. Harry starts the movie off by saying that men and women can't be friends. Um, and it goes through the rest of it. I have two articles that I'm going to be, like, inspired by. I guess, um, and I want to
0: – go ahead. I should just clarify. I'm not questioning that that what, that what y- that what you are saying is the thesis is actually the argument that is – proven at the end of the film my question is does the movie mean to be doing that or is that just what the movie is doing
1: well it's a couple of things so this article one of them is from refinery 29 by molly longman it's called psychologists answer harriet met sally's famous cue can men and women really just be friends Mm -hmm. and the other one is from a blog called ps i love you Kristen pizzo wrote um men and women can't be friends or can they how harry met sally settled the debate so essentially what i am saying here. Is that the film itself? A, I want to be clear, does have some misogynist shit in it. It is, there are not a single person of color to be seen in the entire movie. It, there are a lot of things in this movie that do not uh, stand the test of time, and there are a lot of things that do. And I think when we have these conversations, that's just going to be true about essentially every piece of art ever made. <laughs> like, that true. is just the way it works. Um, Rob Reiner had a very specific set of, of things in mind when he made this movie, including the fact that he had gone through a pretty vicious divorce and was of the mind that, you know, men and women, they can't be friends. They're two different types of people to, you know, which first of all, is its own gender thing of mm-hmm. like, this is so binary, it makes my skin crawl. Um, he wrote this movie and, um, or had that in, he- in his head with the movie Nora Ephron also famously came out of a very vicious divorce um, and was inspired in a lot of her art by it and they kind of teamed up to create the world of this movie both of them being people who are very binary about gender in general um, very much women are this, men are this that said, this movie does not like the question is not can men and women be friends throughout the movie? That is the question that is posed, but what the movie actually proves is what I'm saying, is that they they can and should be friends, period. There is platonic friendship within that movie that is shown um, on top of the fact that they just like, the whole point is that they love and respect each other and have affection for each other and can have all of that stuff and it doesn't always lead to physical attraction. There is emotional attraction that exists in friendships in general. Like you and I, I am emotionally attracted to you. Okay. We are friends. We have this in there. Um, and I think what the movie proves is at the end of the day, like these people work because they are friends. But- they both kind of suck. yeah. But don't they end up together? Yeah. And the way the they end up together after spending years not being together. And then the end of the movie, they are part of the happy couple montage. So the whole movie has the little, like, the old couples being like, this is how we met and we've been in love for our whole lives. And then they pat each other on the arm. Yeah. So by putting them at the end together, they are showing that there is a happy ever after. Yeah. And for me, I think it proves that that friendship was not wasted time. It wasn't that, you know... But it g- was part of their story.
0: I guess my question is, isn't that, doesn't that mean the, the argument the film is making is that the time they spent as friends was only valuable because they ended up as romantic partners? Like, are there any examples in the movie of cross-gender friendships that stay friendships the entire time?
1: Well, I mean, in the- actually, the movie was not supposed to end with them getting together. <laughs> The original ending was them not getting it together. That would be a more interesting ending. Yes, it would, which is why (laughs) Rob Reiner wrote it that way, but then he met his wife while making the movie and decided that sometimes there is love in the world and that it matters. It's like, just give it to a different
0: couple, though, and then you preserve the meaning of your argument, uh, Rob Reiner. I know.
1: God forbid. God forbid you're pure to the art. I don't know. I just, more I'm talking about, I think the cultural conversation around this movie tends to be like, I'm talking about what the movie says, and I think my argument comes from a place of, like, when you think of When Harry Met Sally, which is one of my comfort movies. It's one of my favorite movies. Hank and I are being Harry and Sally for Halloween today. Like, it, I love this movie so much, and I get really annoyed when I talk about this movie and what the response is, is people being like, oh, that men and women can't be friends, right? That's the whole thing. And I'm like, no, that's not the whole thing. This movie does not encompass in general what friendship is and what friendship is across gender or whatever. It that's not the movie is about these two people who are really fucking annoying. They're really annoying to as if you watch the movie, I mean as charming as they are to sit next to a woman who orders a salad the way Sally orders a salad would make me lose my Mind.
0: See, yeah. See, that is what I have trouble with about when Harry met Sally is like the way they set up the idea of like having to put up with mm-hmm. these qualities. I don't know. And like, well, they d- yeah. That's
1: the thing. They love each other. Like, Billy Crystal at the end of the movie turns to her and goes, I love the way you order your salads like those little things that we as the viewer that maybe i would be like i I would lose my fucking mind and they try to set each other up with their best friends and they clearly are like it's a miss immediately because they don't like the way the other person is you know talking or what they've brought up and they clearly mismatch so at the end of the movie that famous you know when you want to start the rest of your lives you want the rest of your life to start immediately you know that little bit he talks about all those things that in theory you know like I am watching, going that would Billy Crystal's really annoying. He's a whiner. He loves to complain. He's so he's annoying. He's totally yeah. He's so annoying. Weirdly, deeply hot. To be clear, he's no. In that movie, Shabon, is this my hill? Billy Crystal is hot. Is should I should we scrap this entire thing?
0: Uh, something I cannot he's accept. He's hot in me. this movie. He's not.
1: He is. He's so, he is so strange to me. No one said he was. Listen, strange. whatever
0: floats your little <laughs> boat. But I am not on Thank that you. boat. My boat is staying anchored on that dock.
1: He's hot in that, that movie. pecan pie, pecan pie. I I think he's incredibly hot in that movie. So, all right, I take it back. The hill is Billy Crystal's hot in *When Mary, Harry Met Sally*. And if you don't think he's hot, you suck. Okay, so this is I, this is an
0: article. So you were asking me when the last time I watched this movie was. I'm gonna I haven't watched it in a long time. the The most recent time that I remember engaging with this movie was two years ago, um, which I still want to say last year because it happened in 2019. Ugh. So in my brain, that yes. still feels like last year. It um, counts. But it's an Atlantic piece, and it's about. Um, quiet it's called the quiet cruelty of when harry met sally and it's about how this is the the moment in pop culture where we see the invention of the high maintenance woman and how harmful that idea is for women and how like reductive in and like yeah so the subline, the subhead title is um the classic rom-com invented the high maintenance woman 30 years later its reductive diagnosis still lives on
1: um, I think there's some there's something to be said about that. I will read the article. I will say this: like Nora Ephron is Sally, and yeah. she wrote this as like this is. And again, I I consider myself honestly probably high maintenance. Hank is listening on the other side, and I. Huh? I
0: yes. He's staying I, okay, quiet. So, yes, Yeah, good so, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> good job, Hank. Um, <laughs> this and this is something that I think. Um, is frequently where you and I are going to get into like the juicy disagreement of it, of the like, um, I think that there are things that that I'm thinking of a certain other topic that I recently brought up to you that I am not talking about today (laughs) that made you very upset. But I think that sometimes when we talk about personal choices or we use autobiographical material in art, it can sometimes make the opposite argument that we're trying to make mm-hmm. and um like I respect if that's how Nora Ephron sees herself it uh, but I think I have an I, I have a I struggle with the idea of a of a person being high maintenance like that is a sure a qualification of people that I don't love um especially because yeah, I, I feel that's like fair. it's fair I, I will usually. I'm
1: interested in thinking about it as like like and, Harry, met, when Harry met Sally, didn't invent the high, uh, the term high maintenance. But in pop culture, is that where this comes from? Is an interesting conversation. Yeah. Because that is late for the concept of high maintenance. Like but I, I think don't it, think that that is I true. I think it
0: is the time when somebody says like that woman's high maintenance because that's the whole conversation is that he's like oh you can tell that she's high maintenance and she's like what does that mean and they have the conversation on screen of like what is this mm-hmm. uh, like being a high maintenance woman and they talk about mm-hmm. like Ingrid Bergman and all this. So that I think that's. Ugh. Yeah, how it becomes. Well, it's and
1: interesting because he's high-maintenance. That's and what I but mean. like, He's do, not described yeah. that way. You know what I mean? Exactly. We just
0: talked about how annoying and whiny he is. He's so particular and he would never be described as high-maintenance in the same way that Sally
1: yeah. is I think this is a, a victim of the, you know, 80s. Like, this is just the way we talk about men and women in the 80s and the way we did in the rom-coms. And honestly, still do. I think there's, especially in the 2000s, like comedies and rom-coms in in the 2000s, early 2000s, were so like cool girl versus high maintenance, hot, pretty blonde, white girl. You know, like that's that cool girl High maintenance versus low maintenance, I think, has evolved into like cool girl culture. Yeah. Manic pixie dream girl culture. I think this exists in a million different ways. I think there's just misogyny. <laughs> and I think however we want to label it, whatever, you know, as they say in uh, when Harry met Sally, pesto is the quiche of the 80s. Like cool <laughs> girl is the modern <laughs> high maintenance or low maintenance. Like it exists in a million different ways. So I don't want to put the blame. And again, I shouldn't speak about things I haven't read, I've read this article. But but I think there's a million ways we could talk about this. Like, if you look at Love Story from the 70s, that's a low-maintenance woman, they posit her that way. She gives him Ryan O'Neill shit. It's Ally McGraw at her most East Coast, most beautiful you know in this rom-com being like the one being like move your ass preppy you know being the like hot cool like i don't take your shit girl and that was like pinnacle of like oh my god like we finally found her and all these other girls are terrible there's always gonna be a, a fictional woman who is better than the real life women around you and men are always gonna write about that fictional woman sure i agree that's true that's always true. But yeah, so I think the cultural conversation, maybe this is a better way to put this hill, is that the cultural conversation about when Harry bet Sally, being about can minute, when men and women be friends is incorrect. That if you do watch the movie, it really is a celebration of these two and their friendship and how it becomes love and how they both fuck up and how they're both imperfect and how they love each other for all of those imperfections mm. before they were fucking after they were fucking and and it it's a really like also you know Carrie Fisher is just chef's kiss it's is. so good so good hmm. yeah divorced i love her <laughs> so yeah that's my little that's my spiel i
0: love
1: it do you think that do you think so you
0: think mm, let me I want to ask more questions for about you about you about your thoughts on this (laughs) um do you feel like it's making this argument about friendship in general or like specifically about friendship as like a key ingredient in a successful relate like romantic relationship
1: that's a good question. I think that it's about these two people. Yeah. Like, I think it's it's these two. It wouldn't be this way if it were another character, if it were a, a Sarah instead of a Sally, whatever. Like, I think, because in the little happy couple vignettes, a lot of them are like, we crossed eyes, like, we locked eyes across the room, and it was love at first sight, and we got married two weeks later, and mm-hmm. that's it. And now they've been together, and I'm sure our friends now. But that's, the movie It talks about, essentially all the different ways that you can fall in love and see these things you watch a lot of meet cutes in the movie and you watch a lot of different versions of love yeah and you watch as sally kind of goes through these long-term relationships one of her friends who's married with kids and she has this whole spiel later about he talks about how married people never have sex and her married friend always talks about this but then you watch them that same couple at uh The wedding that they're all at later and they're dancing and they're kissing and they're in love and it's it's just a different it just shows there are different ways to be in um, relationships and to show love for the partner that you're with and I think this movie specifically is called When Harry Met Sally and is about Harry and Sally not about relationships as a whole they just use that argument as the way to tell that specific relationships story
0: I like that. This makes me want to watch When Harry Met Sally again, which I have not watched in a long time on purpose, but... um,
1: Fair. Listen, I rewatched it recently, and it did spark this hill. It's also, like, a seminal. I quote that movie just too often.
0: You know, and I think that the thing that has made it a less accessible, like, film for me is because the central argument of, of it... Or like mm-hmm. that that moment, the, this idea like can men and women be friends has always struck me as like an inherently false question to be ask, asking because of how I feel about gender and the way I was raised yes. and like who I was friends with growing up. You know what I mean? So like it, did, yes. it didn't, there wasn't a way in for me. But that's a more interesting framing of it to think about it just as a um, a collection of stories that challenges like the mainstream Idea of how love comes to be in a that relationship. That there has to be one way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is, like, Harry's the one who brings up the question. Sally is like, this is absurd. Right, of course she's like, they can this, and friends. I remember
0: that, that she's like, this is stupid, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, you just don't know any better because you're exactly. a woman, yeah.
1: And I want, and I, and again, the way this movie starts, they are leaving college, they are leaving undergrad together. Right. Billy Crystal as the most unbelievable Recent college, you know, in history. Yes, it's so strange. <laughs> still hot, but it looks deeply thirty-seven instead of twenty-two. Um, he is asking that question at that age, and by the end of the movie, they're in their mid-thirties. You know, right. it's been years and years and years. So this idea of when Harry met Sally, he had this idea. Um, And by the end of the movie, she's talking about their wedding and all these particular things that she had. And he's going, it was perfect. It was exactly right. Um, Because of her, all of her stuff, you know? And I think that that's, again, decidedly not perfect. This is not me saying, like, this movie is, is, (laughs) (laughs) it's done it. (laughs) Gender is solved, you know? Thank you. uh, Perfect little baby. But it, it, it is, when you think about it in the frame of these two people, when Harry met Sally, can men and women be friends? They can and they should. And that's what allowed them to get together. Because if they had left it when they did at the beginning of the movie, him being a dick, her them supposedly driving to New York without stopping, ever, and which is just, as someone who has sense. done that drive, it's very difficult. Yeah. And also... Um, he was just no they also I want to say this one thing if you're watching when Harry met Sally there's a scene right at the beginning where they show them driving in theory from University of Chicago to New York but they drive um southbound down Lakeshore Drive going towards downtown I was like okay losers
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, that again another hot take
1: about the movie It's it's just they're obviously driving towards Evanston it's just a
0: it's it's just a strange choice to make because the university of chicago is like iconically on the south side of chicago like the whole thing is it's just such a stupid hollywood choice of like they wanted this one shot and so they got it even though anybody with any knowledge of the geography of chicago would be like what yes so, yes, and you me off. can't have it both ways to like make it important to the like that, 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 like to make the setting so specifically University of Chicago and, like, yes. and then to,
1: ugh, pick one. I know, it made me, it really made me mad Just put them at it.
0: Northwestern and then they can, you know what I mean? It's like, what are we doing? Like,
1: it's just show the other direction. <laughs> Chicago is still beautiful coming from that side. Rude. Very Rob good. Reiner. Rob hope Reiner. you're listening. It also wouldn't be, you wouldn't try No, Carl Reiner's dead. Not Rob Reiner. I also
0: feel like you probably wouldn't take Lakeshore at all to drive from Chicago to the East Coast.
1: No, you'd be on the highway. You'd be on that. You'd be on yeah. You'd be on Is this good? Welcome to Chicago Highways, the podcast.
0: We're two people who have done this drive a lot recently. (laughs) Yes. All right. I love it. Evergreen Hill. Uh, yes so I had not decided which one of mine I was going to use today mm-hmm. um, I have some really f- some fun ones in here um, but it, the thing that you said about Billy Crystal locked it in for me at the end there so I think the, the one that I want to talk about today is that this is literally how I have it written down it is weird that adults play teens for so long I'll just say it <laughs> <laughs> that's my hill it's weird and but let me let me make it more of a hill for you Um, I think shows like Gossip Girl and Riverdale and One Tree Hill that are set in high school or where the primary characters Mm -hmm. are teenagers and where we have cast adults to play these teenagers in high school um, are doing a very specific kind of psychological damage to all of us. (laughs) and and it's really fucked up because it's really it's just so strange so first of all it fucks up our entire sense of like how old people are supposed to look um, what is supposed to be happening for us developmentally like physically um, which creates such a deep sense of dysmorphia not just for teenagers but also for adults then you're like 30 and you're like I don't Mm -hmm. know if I look young like should I what is happening um (sighs) and it also normalizes um watching children have sex it's just a very okay, so strange that thing that's was what I
1: wanted. that is what I wanted to bring up because it has to be because people want viewers to watch teenagers have sex. teens having sex yes and not feel like it's illegal yes that's because what it, it is. would be
0: that is entirely which what it is does, which is weird
1: gross it's
0: really weird <laughs> It's It's so weird that I had to put my hood up on my hoodie. (laughs) Like, it's so weird. It's
1: so weird. Yeah. I I agree. I do. I think it's that. Like, you can't... It it must be baseline because of, like, weird child labor slash sexual content. It is. There's gotta be So what it is
0: is that if you have somebody and the way it's written on like a character breakdown, if, if this is what's gonna be what's what's going to happen is it will say 18 to play younger right so you Mm -hmm. know that they're going to have to do something involving sex drugs and rock and roll right so Mm -hmm. um for child labor reasons they need somebody who's legally 18 um yeah and it's just and and then also I'm sure there's an element to that to the 18 to play younger that is about just getting around like how long you're allowed to have kids on set and stuff like that like the logistical yeah and
1: also like level of talent like I'm not a shit talking ki- child actors like there are a lot of good ones but I think like the ability not just like how you are on screen but I think how you are on set like they want some they if I were a yeah. showrunner it'd be really hard for me to decide I, okay I'm gonna have a show full of teenagers who have never been on a set before and we're just gonna cross our fingers and hope for the best and I
0: I have to hope that some of that is the kind of laziness that is also good of like I am not equipped to provide the kind of care and protection that is necessary for children on set so Mm -hmm. I don't want any children like I want them to all be over 18 because I like I can't commit like that's lazy you know what I mean you you should be providing the care and the oversight and the protection necessary but if you don't think you're capable of doing that then it is a better choice to just not have kids on set than to have kids on set and have potential harm occur.
1: I think you're I totally agree with you I think there's this modern thing of like I, I don't think it's modern I'll say this I think that Youth are always valued more in society. Like we we're just talking about this with. I think there's like something about youth. As I recently said, as I recently turned thirty, I was like, I finally understand. Youth is wasted on the young. I was like, I'm thirty and I fucking get it. I was like, there it is. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's so I funny. I should have stayed up all So the...
0: young still. So
1: I do too. But I that that type of youngness. I do not feel anymore that type of youth that like high school I'm gonna go you know also the kids on one tree hill uh, were not having the life that I was having at the same time and I think that that is part of it of like there's something like inherently in culture that we think is like cool and sexy about being the young young you know right like that's what is the goal always and so having I think there's something really extremely messed up about all of this and I agree with you. And I think there's some weird I don't wanna get all like weird like Q theories about like Hollywood and sex and no, children. This is like a, I think this that gets no
0: QAnon zone.
1: <laughs> Anti-Q zone. But I do think there are enough stories about showrunners and executive producers working on kids' shows, and I've never had a podcast before. I don't know how much legally I think I can say, but if anybody watched Nickelodeon, I think you can probably guess one person I'm talking about. Um, There's a lot of weird shit that has happened and and will continue to happen, and this idea that we have adults playing teenagers – somehow feeds into this in a way that I don't know how to verbalize I also will say watching never have I ever and watching the hot love interest I was like that kid that's not a child some of these people are young this man is not and he wasn't he was 30 and I was like well first of all good because he's cute. So I, Second of all, ew! Ew! So I, Why make me do that? Right, okay, <laughs> Why make so, me Google how old he is? So this
0: is part of the weirdness of, of the, like, getting people to watch kids having sex, right? Is that, like, then, um, one, there are a bunch of people out here who are like us who are going to be, be like, well... Um, who are going to, like, do the research, who are going to make sure the actors of age before we allow ourselves to, like, have feelings about it. Uh, this came up a lot for me uh, surrounding Noah Centineo. And
1: oh, I'm aware. I remember we did a lot before. of texting yeah, about lot, this. Yeah, I did
0: a lot of rapid Google searching during that movie to be like, how old are these people?
1: <laughs>
0: um, but uh, th- that's cool, but it's a real slippery slope from there to um, just... Uh, like it provides a certain kind of cover for uh people who are looking to harm children um and who are trying to normalize uh being interested in viewing children in a sexual way and i think that's really damaging and bad. i think
1: it's gross you're totally right um
0: and also like uh this is this is I, i'm struggling to verbalize this because i haven't really uh fully formulated the idea but like I am not trying to say that you should not be having sex until you're a particular age. Like, I am not Ugh, a no. child. Like, I'm not a developmental specialist. Like, I have no business saying generally what would be appropriate for anybody of any age. Yes. But... Um, So I'm not trying to say, like, we should never be implying that children are having sex. Like, we should be implying that children shouldn't be having sex. What I'm trying to imply is that, like, if children are having sex, like, I definitely don't want to know about it. And I definitely don't want to, (laughs) like, spend time thinking about it. And, like, I think they should be allowed to experiment and figure out their shit in, like, a safe and protected way, like, in their communities. And, like, getting the information that they need from educational sources. Not me and not a television show I'm not watching...
1: (sighs) Yeah, like um, never have I ever I loved the first season of that show. Did you watch that show? I watched
0: 2 episodes and I thought it was very good and then
1: I I loved I not loved the more. first season of it. Um I also find something strange. I do not know how old the lead actress is, so I'll find that out, but I do know her like love interest is like 30. And I also I'm going to guess she is not 30. Um and there's something weird about that because I do often find that they cast Maybe this is a generalization, but I feel like male characters are typically old. They get cast older because they can pass for younger, for longer, because people have no idea, you know, how old somebody is. But I think there's something weird about age differences and experience differences between some of the actors. She's 19. And I think, yeah, okay, cool. So I was, she's close. I mean, that, I'm like, she looks... Like a teenager. She looks like a teenager. She's lovely. I think she's so talented. I think she's so good. Um, and I thought she was great on that show. I thought that show was a great teen show.
0: Oh, and the love interest is, is 30. He is...
1: And cast to play the same age as her.
0: He, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm calling that out as someone who loved that show.
0: Yeah, that makes me I mean, me like, feel why Why do we...
1: There are a lot of... I'm sure. There have to be a cute 19-year-old boy's would love to be on TV. Well, and definitely
0: part of our feelings about this are influenced by the fact that we both uh, worked and came of age professionally in Chicago where there has been much discussion about the ways that older men are often um, perpetrating um, sexual assault and harassment against young female cast castmates um so yeah. I think I think that's part of like our awareness of how strange this dynamic could be It's like oh whoa <laughs> we know
1: that this can be bad a, I took a class at profiles you know yeah. like this is we know like we are not unfamiliar with this yeah I think that I think this is an interesting hill and I don't know what to do with it yeah because I just it is I don't want like, to Wait, what do we do
0: I don't want to be made to feel like I think teenagers are sick. Like, this came up for me while watching Dune. There are times when I was like, Timothy Chalamet is a sweet Victorian child who's very sickly. And then there are times when he clenches his jaw, and I'm like, that's a man, you know? Mm -hmm. And I I want the line between sweet child and, like, um, sexual adult to be much more distinct. I want it bold. I want it real and visible to everybody.
1: And though. I want and I want shows that are about teenagers to have more teenagers and have more insight from teenagers. The same way I would want a story about a 30-year-old white woman living in Salem, Massachusetts to talk to a 30-year-old white woman living in Salem, Massachusetts. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that is feels like 101, but we often discount children in general. I think there's a lot of discounting as as people who are older, you think like I know more and, you know, we do. A, but B, like, kids have their own thoughts and feelings. When I was a teenager, I knew exactly who I was. I knew what I wanted. Has that changed? Yes. But at the time, I, I was in there. I was feeling my feelings. I was doing whatever. And I I don't like these shows like One Tree Hill, which I didn't watch, to be fair. That treat these teenagers like adults in a high school. You know, I'm like that is not how
0: high school is. Right, it's just not. And that's part of what happens for me as well. And like part of it is also like I have a really hard time now telling um, what shows are for who. Like I sometimes we were watching. (laughs) It was a movie. We were watching uh, scary stories to tell in the dark, and there was a, a very distinct moment. About 15 minutes in, where I turned to Croy and I was like, is this for children? This is a movie for children. (laughs) And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, great. I was like, I thought it was for adults, because that's just like kind of what's been happening lately. Thought it was
1: Stranger (laughs) Things.
0: Yeah, I thought it was about kids, but for adults. And then it turned out that I was... He was like, it's PG-13. I was like...
1: Listen, and I don't think there's anything Uh, wrong with that. Like, I think the Babysitter's Club is an incredible example. That show, I loved that show. Charming, lovely. They were their age. The challenges were of their age. And I don't think every teenager has the same experience. I don't think every child has the same experience. Doesn't mean there's one story to tell. But I do think that Haley getting pregnant and married to her high school sweetheart and finding their little and getting a house together at 17 years old on One Tree Hill is, like, maybe not the story. In Gossip Girl at a one. certain
0: point they're like one of them has her own fashion line and the other one is like <laughs> running a newspaper and you're like what are you guys in college? In
1: like- Harry Potter they all find their partners when they're 12 years old and then they're just with them. Okay but I have to forever. say that's
0: semi-realistic. I know a lot of people who are with their like childhood sweethearts. I have to say that.
1: I'm not arguing the concept of a childhood sweetheart. I am arguing that J.K. Rowling assigned a partner to every person in Harry Potter at the age of 12. And then none of them broke up, which, again, I knew people who were childhood sweethearts who broke up. Those exist too. That's true. I'm just saying that, like, there are, there are childhood sweethearts like Nathan and Haley from One Tree Hill, and there are people who are, there are people who at twelve met their the love of their life and it happened to be their best friend's younger sister, whatever it is. I, I recognize those exist. The issue <sighs> is that they tell these stories. That's
0: younger sister. sell though. That's really. Let's talk about it. That's really weird. It is weird. It's a weird <laughs> thing
1: and also it's weird because of how uh, uh, we can't start we can't JK Rowling no, we can't do it today I don't even want to
0: talk about her she makes me so mad But
1: I hate her <laughs> I hate what she's done to us anyways uh, anyway, I think you're right I think that this is like adults playing teens should just end there are enough actors in the world that are young, that can continue to play them. There are a lot of stories that need to be told. We do not have to keep telling the same ones over and, and over, do, which is rich white kids playing house.
0: And I do get it. Like, I get. I do think part of it is exactly what you were saying before, this obsession with uh, youth, with being young, this idea that, like, youth is wasted on the young, that, like, this is a – it is really about our adult nostalgia for a period of time in our lives that we can yes. never get back. So we voyeuristically want to – um, that, I mean that's I think a huge motivating factor behind watching these teen shows and behind creating these teen shows for adults is like this this type of nostalgic voyeurism in a certain way um, and th- that is fine but we should just collectively get the fuck over it <laughs> I'm sorry we should just Done. watch shows about adults <laughs> or watch or consume, shows about kids yes. that are for kids and be like that's what it was like what can we do yeah. yes
1: Or you can watch Over the Garden Wall, which is a cartoon that is in theory for children, but is kind of an adult show. Yeah. And I love it so much. Anyways, anyways, I agree with you. I think that that is, that's a good hill. And uh, Siobhan, I shall die upon that hill with you. Thank you. I will see you there.
0: See you there. Planted our little flag.
1: Happy first episode.
0: We did it. Um, Podcast out. How do we wrap this sucker up? I don't even know
1: closing stage. we'll find out I think just thank you for listening I'll be posting about the show on social media I would love to hear why you disagree with us and why you agree with us so if my take on Harry Met Sally pissed you the frig off let me know and we'll discuss it um if Siobhan talking about teens got you heated let's let's talk about it
0: ideally not in a sexy way um,
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ yes okay no sexy teens
0: I also want to know like if we brought something up and you're like oh my gosh you, you two missed the most interesting part of this like tell us that if you have a, a related but totally separate hill that you're willing to die on about these subjects we all have- let, let us know
1: let us know we all have hills and I think this is a thing and parties used to be like all right talk to us about your pop culture hill it's hard to think of off the top of your head but it does come with conversation and with consuming art and media and doing all these things so continue to watch and read what you love yes listen to what you love um and And just try things out
0: just say things to people just be like this is my opinion (laughs) just be like this is what I think because no seriously I mean this is one of the things I hope that our podcast normalizes I mean it's it's just, yeah. just something that i think is it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to think one thing and then say it out loud and then have people change your mind like if it's okay to to that i mean that's not even being wrong really one could no overdo. it's it, i it's i think
1: <laughs> learning is learning is good is the thesis of the podcast yeah
0: learning is yeah, good learning is
1: good Hill with shaman and claire <laughs> thank you Ha, ha, ha!